Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. St. Paul. Fan. Good morning and welcome to Tea to Green. It's it's the show where we spend the next two hours talking about the greatest game in the world, the game of golf. I'm the common man, Dan Cole, the official unofficial ambassador to Minnesota Golf. I have the proclamation from Governor Ventura to prove it. Two copies, one laminated Brad Childress playbook menu style, and I also have one that is uh, framed. Uh, however, it is sitting in a storage closet at my uh, posh and Tony Woodbury estate. To my right is a master professional and golf hall of famer, Minnesota golf hall of famer, uh, Craig Warrian. And um, Santa Claus not here today. I was hoping to have a visit from the Tooth Fairy. Tooth Fairy not here either. It's early yet. It's early yet. Um, but uh, Paul uh, Peterson of Ping Golf is also here. We are at Meadowbrook Golf Course uh, for the... It's a soft grand reopening. It will be open to the public, I think, in August sometime. But they're doing a special uh, Meadowbrook Appreciation Day as the golf course has come back to life. She's a resilient old lady. She's been on the shelf for about three years, I think. Is it three years on the shelf uh, because of flooding? But she um, she's back. She is like a phoenix. She has risen from the ashes. I played today with a Craig Warren, master professional, Matt Just, the uh, director of Minneapolis Golf. And um, golf course architect Kevin Norby, who did the renovation redesign here, along with uh, Dunnick Construction. And, um, Craig, this is the first time I can say I played a golf course where there wasn't a divot anywhere on the golf course, not a ball mark. Because we were the first to play the golf course, and it is spectacular, and that's not an exaggeration. No, the, the regrassing that has been done, it just makes the... Uh, the shots from the fairway much more playable. Uh, the golf course is just spectacular. You know, it certainly does help not to have you know too many players on it. But you know what, uh, the the greens are extremely healthy, fairways are healthy, and uh, I, I was worried. It, it, you know, lacking a few trees. I like trees. I'm kind of a tree hugger. But yeah. uh, the trees that are missing here, I. Th- think that uh, it's better without them to be honest yeah. with you uh, it's it, it's really kind of fun uh looking out over the golf course and i i played it you know you know 50 some odd years ago when i first started playing here and uh there's a lot of trees around and it just the the look is really quite different but it's it, it uh, reminds me a lot of the minicata redo when they took all the trees off mm-hmm, uh, of mm-hmm. minicata you know, I was worried about that, uh, the integrity of the golf course being lost, but not so. You know, as a matter of fact, I think the uh, this golf course will really uh, play a lot of fun for most players. Yeah, it'll benefit. It, it opens things up. You can see... You can see the golf course better. Of course, you know, and and we'll talk. Matter of fact, it's due in large part to uh, to the superintendent uh, here who joins us now. He's the big meow here at Meadowbrook. It's Troy Cheetah. 
Meowways. Oh, wait, i got to turn up your microphone. Sorry. Troy, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate that. Thanks for having me coming. Yeah. Uh, boy, the golf course was good. And uh, taking out trees helps just for, for growing, right? It just yeah. helps in so many places. Absolutely. It's it's good to have airflow, sunshine, um, you know, help that grass really do what it's supposed to do. People love trees, but um, trees positioned properly are the best trees in a golf course. Right. It, it's not like it's bare by any stretch of the imagination. There's still plenty of trees for framing, and, and, and the golf course looks terrific. Thank you. You, um, How long have you been here at Meadowbrook? I've been here since January. Since January. I'm a new superintendent of this property. So. Where were you before then? Where have you been? Where have your trails taken you? Was that uh, Theodore Worth Golf Course, okay. which uh, you guys were at a few year, or a few weeks ago, I mm-hmm. think. I was at uh, Medina Golf and Country Club before that, and I spent a few years at Wood Hill Country Club also. So you've been around. It's sort of like the radio business, town to town, up and down the dial. The superintendents and golf pros do the same thing. Um, what's it? It's, it's, this is probably your first time then at a course. It's, I mean, it's not a new course, but it's a new course because it just hasn't been played for three years, been regrassed, as we like to say and the bunkers have been uh, uh, redone and the trees removed and there's been a lot of work done on the golf course that's probably different for a superintendent it is it's the first time i've really got to experience you know uh growing stuff like this not having golf course on a facility to allow you to do the things you need to do to make the golf course as good as it can be for events like this so um it's it's just a really fun opportunity to get to do that something different that i've never done before so the um how now that you're going to start the upkeep, once it opens up, it's only going to be a half year of play or maybe even a little less. But does that make your job easier to start because the golf course is it's, it's pristine? It really is. We're not exaggerating. I mean, you go out there, and it's it's grown, and you waited the right amount of time, I think. I mean, it's it's been three years since it's been played here. How long since they, they – they completed the regrassing to let it grow to open like this. How long has it been? Sure, yeah. Well, the golf course flooded in June of 2014, and uh, the the first restoration work was done end of July, August of last year. So everything that uh, was destroyed by the floods is all new turf out there. So it it it's definitely it takes about a year to get that stuff back into shape, and we're still not exactly where we'd like to be everywhere, but um, it, it's in it's in good condition, and we're excited about the way it's looking. Well, does that make it easier, or is it harder? Because you know, I, I obviously like it to, to grow in and get thick and lush. Is is it harder to keep it, you know, to where you want it? You know, because it, it, it's the growing is still in such the early stages. Sure. Not having golfers out here makes it really easy because it allows us to do everything we need to do. Um, but once you get golfers back out, you get back into that normal routine of, of maintenance on the golf course and taking care of things with them out there, and you plan and schedule for that. So. The scourge of a, a, a greenskeeper is golfers. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it sc- really yeah, is. Yeah. I mean, would you, you'd love to have this property all to yourself and maintain it and, and make it absolutely perfect, but if it wasn't for those darn golfers. Absolutely. I think a lot of golf course superintendents would say you could have a great golf course without any golfers, but where would we be without golfers? But so. then, you know, again, if you look at it, we, we know the dirty little secret, don't we, Paul? We, you th- Come on. You, you hope the sun shines, you water it, you get the sprinkler system going, throw it, some weed be gone in a couple of spots, and you got a golf you course. You cut it. Yeah, yeah boy, it grows some more. You it cut was, it again. If it was only that easy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Spending as many years in the shop as as I did behind the counter, listening to players come in. First guy in the door says, oh, these greens are too slow. Next guy, the greens are too fast. Why did they put all the cups in these places? Not, I mean, it's yeah. it, it's incredible. You you can't please everybody, but people would be pleased to play the the, the conditioning of this golf course right now. I can't wait till it gets opened uh, again, August 
right around 11th or yep. so? I yeah. think that's what we're planning for. Well, so. and, and now let me ask you this, because I just some some general questions. You know, when I'm out at the golf course, like yesterday I was playing uh, my home course, Prestwick, and they're spraying chemicals on mm-hmm. it. Because, is that because of the heat and the humidity, or what are they doing yep. on a golf course? Absolutely. Right I mean, those those types of conditions are are exactly what breeds disease and stuff on turf. And not only that, it's it's prime season for for different insects on the golf course, you know, Japanese beetles, um, turf grass, atinius. There's lots of people at home, I'm sure, are excited about this stuff. But it, those are the things we worry about this time of the year. It, it's peak season. It's it's peak season for everything that uh, wants to attack our golf course. Well, isn't this kind golfers. of where a, a, a superintendent kind of earns your money, though, right during the hot part of the season, in, yep. in, in what you're describing right now? Because it's easy for a golf course... I'll see them out there hand-watering greens and the fringes. Is that to keep it moist so you don't lose them, burning them out? or That's just to keep things cool. I mean, what they're okay. doing, they call it syringing, and they're just trying to keep the surface temperature of the greens cool until the afternoon time when, when, the, when the sun goes down and the wind slows down and the surfaces are cooler. That's really what they're out there doing and just trying to get till nighttime when they can water with the overhead irrigation again. So how do you, how do you put a golf course like this to bed for the winter? Uh, well, it's a process. I mean, everybody, a lot of golf courses do it differently. They do it right next to Interlock, and they do a process of covering their greens with Excelsior mats, where, as here, we, we'll just do a light top dressing on the greens to get the greens good for the winter time. We'll do some chemical applications for snow mold, which we get here in Minnesota in the winter time, and, um, and those are really the big things, putting the greens to bed and uh, getting our, our chemical applications out there, putting up fencing to keep skiers and people like that off the greens to make sure that they aren't causing any damage so that's that's our normal process do you think it will help that interlock is not hosting a major event and using your course as a parking lot this uh, this summer because i've decided that i'm th- now that the renovation's completed i'm as the official unofficial ambassador of minnesota golf i'm making an if this is an official announcement no longer will meadowbrook be used as a parking lot I'll lay out in front of the parking lot driveway and stop them if they try I to I told do it. you, I tried to park on the 8th fairway this morning at Interlocking, <laughs> and I couldn't get to it. They wouldn't but, let you but in? No, I couldn't get to it. If I could have gotten there, the minivan would have been in the middle of the fairway on 8th. Well, it's payback is what it's called. But really yes. is. But you know who's responsible for that? Who is? And who, who paid the freight on that? 2002, the Solheim family. Of course they did. Paid for the privilege to park cars here at Meadowbrook and you for else, Solheim Cup. And you know what else Solheim Cup has done? They've provided us with all sorts of great prizing today. We have four four-packs. Four full sets. Four full four-pack sets uh, of tickets, uh, ground tickets for the Solheim Cup for every day. We're going to give away four sets of those today. So each set will include golf spectating for four every day correct monday through sunday along with the opening ceremony on thursday along with the high v concert series at des moines golf and country club with rascal flats and someone else i don't have the name in front of me right uh, now. friday night and saturday night yep. so yeah we uh, we're, we're delighted to be able to provide those and when we give those away if you're listening you hear a giveaway if you're really not planning to go or at least don't know somebody you can give them to because you know, we'd like to see him used by PS. Because it, it, it's a commitment. I mean, you've got to drive down to Des Moines. It's a four-hour drive down there. but And you can go as many days as you want. And if you've got friends and family yeah. down there as well. I mean, exactly. we, we want to distribute these tickets and, and let folks enjoy the experience. Because if you, if you haven't been to a Solheim Cup and you were to the Ryder Cup, the flavor of a Solheim Cup and the flavor of a Ryder Cup are 
almost identical. Yes. The Europeans are out of their minds. The Americans are out of their minds, and it's it's really a blast. And so we'll give those away as this uh, morning progresses. Uh, big Cat, Troy Cheetah, thanks, Superintendent. Yeah, thanks here for having at, me, guys. Uh, uh, Meadowbrook Golf Course. Uh, we'll take a short break. We've got um, uh, a number of guests today, including Matt Just. We talked about that earlier. Uh, Dave Carruthers is next. He's the state amateur champ. Um, uh, he's he he rings one up for the old guys. I mean, he's not old old, but he's forty eight. Wiley veteran. Wiley veteran. We shot sixty six at Interlochen next door. Do you hear the Do you hear the bulldozers? <laughs> I I, th- I think they're tearing the golf course up right now. Michelle Redman. University of Minnesota women's golf coach, and how much money did she win on tour? Did you uh, say? Just a little south of six million dollars in uh, two tour victories, four Solheim Cups. A really good player and a really great coach. She'll join us at ten thirty, and then uh, at eleven o'clock for a couple of segments. Uh, PGA Tour Pro and Golf Channel analyst Chris Demar. I said Chris. I meant Chris. Chris DeMarco will join us, and anybody that's followed golf uh, knows what a bulldog of a golfer he was and how talented he was. I think three or four tour wins? Uh, Well, at least three tour wins, but he had some wins around the world and some Mm -hmm. additional wins. He was the the recipient of being... The victim. Well, and again, it would be the victim of, of being in his prime in the Tiger Woods era. He finished runner-up to Tiger Woods in two majors. He truly was the victim of the greatest shot in the history of tournament golf when Tiger pitched it in from behind 16 at Augusta National on the 70th hole from a position that when you're there, any human, any mortal would be trying to make bogey there and probably going to make double. And Tiger makes two, goes on into a playoff with Chris DeMarco, and and, and he beats Chris DeMarco. I mean, Chris DeMarco's resume is unbelievable if it weren't for... One Tiger Woods, and there's several other golfers. Who exactly. Exact. No, and we could, we could, if Tiger Woods, and I was thinking about this, if Tiger Woods was Phil Mickelson or Nick Faldo, and you've got four or five or six uh, majors on your resume, I mean, that's a world class player, obviously a, a Hall of Famer, without a doubt. That puts that puts eight, nine, or ten majors back in play for the rest of the folks out there and imagine how careers would have been changed if tiger was just kind of a pedestrian hall of famer and he's not pedestrian though he's kind of a pedestrian now or is he walking even right now? He's had so many surgeries, I'm not sure if he is. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We're broadcasting live from Meadowbrook for Meadowbrook Appreciation Day here on Tita Green on The Fan. This is Tita Green on The Welcome back to Meadowbrook. It's Meadowbrook Appreciation Day. The grand old lady, marvelous Meadowbrook, is uh, soon to be open to the public. They're having their appreciation day today. Uh, some people that are in the golf business and such like that and that have a love of the golf course are out here playing today. I'm the common man, Dan Cole, along with Craig Warrion and Paul Peterson. A new uh, new single-round major golf record score. How Do, do I say it right? 62 all-time. All time. Single-round uh, a score, right? Golf gods were not Brendan Brandon Grace. Brendan Grace Brendan from Grace. South Africa shoots a sixty-two. Eight under sixty-two. He he's in the clubhouse at minus four, 
two shy of Jordan Spieth, one shy of Cooch, Matt yeah. Coocher, and then our guy DJ, Dustin Johnson, is on the golf course, currently six under through 16. He is in uh, uh, tied for fourth with one Rory McIlroy, who's four holes into today's round at minus two. And as we were talking earlier and, and where we thought 62 might be in play today, Craig, I think 61 or even 60 might be in play today, as perfect as the conditions are there. Because if the weather is, what do they call it, benign? There's no wind? There's it's no like rain? four, five, six miles an hour. Yeah. The greens are relatively flat at Burkdale. And the other thing that the guys love about Burkdale, and I heard enough guys say that this is really their favorite golf course in the Rota, is is that... You can see every fairway from the tee box. Mm-hmm. So you're not hitting at mythical bushes and, and targets out there that, that and pop you know, bunkers pop up out of nowhere. Exactly. Yeah, right. So that's why I think this potentially this day could really be low. Well, I do know that 66 was in play at the Interlock in Country Club uh, this past Wednesday. And uh, the gentleman who carded a 66 joins us now. He's the Minnesota State Amateur Champion for 2017, Dave Carruthers from Wild Marsh. Dave, thanks for joining us, and congratulations on winning the state amateur. Good morning, Carmen and uh, Craig. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's good to have you on. You're along with uh, Paul Peterson, too. And um, I know when I I read the account, uh, uh, the reports of your victory, you said how how much it meant to you because – You've been playing in this event for a long time. You're 48 years old, and you'd never won it. I think it said your best finish was up in Northland once, right? Yeah, about 13 years ago uh, up at Northland, uh, I had a nice uh, final day and and uh, finished somewhere in the top 10, I believe. But, yeah, that was my best finish at the uh, state amateur thus far. You know, we were, we were talking earlier, Craig and I were talking about when we were playing on the golf course today about how it's got, it's kind of like you won one for the old guys, you know, not that 48's old, but so often now you see these, you know, these these young amateurs, these college kids or, the you know, these kids fresh out of college, maybe have a pro job somewhere, but not pro because they're, they're uh, they got to be, you know, they got to be an amateur, but uh, just they come out and they play so well. And uh, you don't see the guys pushing 50 winning many state amateurs anymore. Well, you don't know. It gets tougher and tougher. Uh, obviously, the older you get, uh, you know, the, the kids there, obviously that's the, the biggest term of the year for, for not only them, but for, for all of us amateur players. Uh, but uh, when uh, back when I was in college or maybe even a year out of college before you're, you know, married and have kids and, uh, and have a real job, uh, you have a lot more time to, to play and to practice and, and to work on your game. And uh, now it's uh, when you can find the time. Yeah, Dave, good morning. Craig Warian, congratulations. Uh, uh, I, I was really happy to see that. And, and it, it certainly wasn't a surprise, you know, as Common was talking about. Uh, I, I said it, it's going to be a Wiley veteran that's going to win at uh, Interlock. And, and uh, uh, tell me about the uh, – tell me a little bit about the round. I mean, it's it's you just don't bang it down the fairway and try to slop it on the green. I mean, it's a – you had to have a strategy playing it. Well, I, I did a little bit. Yeah, thanks, Craig. Um, yeah, going into uh, I did uh, I hadn't played in Interlochen for quite a few years, so I did uh, run over there a week before the tournament and played a practice round, and um, and it was just a really hard golf course, and and uh, so I I did uh, get out a little bit uh, Saturday and Sunday uh, a day or two before the event and 
hit some balls and worked on my short game and, and knew that I was going to have to really control the golf ball and my distance and, um, with interlock. And, uh, you know, the it, it played 6,900 or 7,000 yards, par 70, but the critical thing to the golf course I thought going into the week was distance control with your irons around the greens. With all those greens sloping front to back, you just had to position the ball um, below the hole or uh, or on the on the wide side of the green to to give yourself a little room to to chip. Now you won both at uh, at Northland and Interlochen, uh, similar you know the same designer, uh, same strategy at Northland. Well, uh, yeah, I did not win up at Northland, but uh, yeah, Northland was also that way uh, uh, where you had to kind of really know the greens up at Northland and know where to place the ball. Um, and, and fortunately that week I, I had a caddy from from Northland to help me read those greens uh, with everything breaking towards the water, even though sometimes uh, to the to the average player it looked like it went the other way. Well, your caddy called in yesterday. To, I was talking, I was, I was previewing the show we were going to have today, and uh, a guy called in, I can't, I can't remember the name now, but he said he, said he, he got the pleasure and the honor of caddying for you all three days. He said there was one time, he said, of all the time out there, he said he thinks he got uh, convinced you to hit a different shot on one of the holes where you were going to go up high over the trees, and he wanted to run one low, and he said you ran it low. Is that true? Did he, did he guide you to a, to a par? He absolutely did. Yeah, my uh, my four ball partner uh, Eric Colkine was on the bag all week, and he was a tremendous help to me. Uh, but yeah, with uh, four holes to play, uh, number six at interlock, and I drove it right and uh, uh, too large. Uh... Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, oak trees or maple trees there that I, I either had to go over and uh, try to knock the ball on the back side of the green or to uh, hit a punch and go under them and try to run one up to the front side of the green. And and uh, as I was standing there, I was looking over, and uh, he was looking under. And, and uh, yeah, he talked me into going under, uh, which which proved to be the, uh, the safest route and uh, the correct route. You win by one. Was that the key moment in there, or was there another key moment or, you know, stretch of golf any of the three days where you feel like if that doesn't happen, this things could have – went a lot different well i really think um uh probably the 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 shot or the the hole that uh, kick-started everything for me uh was number two which would have been my 11th hole at interlocking on wednesday um you know I, I had started the day three back and i was just plodding along uh on my first nine and i was one over par i birdied nine to to get it back to even for the day but when I hold a, a nine iron from the fairway on number two uh, for eagle, I went from eight over to six over, and I knew the leaders were somewhere in that four to five range. Uh, that's kind of when I, I said to Eric, my, my caddy, hey, if we can do something special these last seven holes, and if they falter at all, we'll be right back in this thing. 
And you, and you were able to do that. Well, again, congratulations. What are your plans for the rest of the summer? Do you have uh, some other events coming up? Uh, you know, just uh, just some fun events with some friends uh, as we do uh, playing in some scrambles. Uh, I'm going to be going uh, and playing in the state four ball with my caddy, Eric Colkind, out at Wilmer here in late August. Uh, we've got our little local club championship at Wild Marsh uh, in mid-August, and then I will be going up to Hibbing. Uh, they have a Labor Day tournament that I've been playing in for quite a few years uh, over the uh, Labor Day weekend, and, and then I'll be putting the clubs away for the fall. Well, there you go. See, he's just putting them away for the fall, and I'm just really starting to feel like the season is just getting started because I'll play through mid-December. Hey, Dave, congratulations uh, on the victory, and uh, best of luck to you uh, as you continue to, uh, to play the great game of golf. Thanks again. Thanks, guys, for having me on. I appreciate it. You bet. Dave Carruthers, he's the uh, Minnesota State Amateur champion for twenty. Was it forty-eight years old? Forty-eight. Yeah, 48. I think Dr. Jim Scheller. I think I read somewhere was fifty-two. Wow. Yeah, I think I think I saw somewhere too that maybe Dave was the second oldest state amateur champion in the history of the uh, the tournament. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Joining us uh, next. Michelle Redmond. Should we do a giveaway? I think we should in honor of Michelle Redmond's playing in four Solheim Cups. Okay, that's what we'll do. Now, Zach, you should find giveaway sheets in there somewhere. We're giving away a four-pack. So four people. 28 can... total weekly tickets. Yes, that you can go and see every single day of the Solheim Cup. It's in Des Moines. And when is Solheim Cup again? Uh, Des Moines Golf and Country Club. I want to say it's about the week of August 17th. It would help to, if August we actually knew that. 20th. 14th through the 20th. There you go. Beautiful. So be the 11th caller at 651-989-5326 or 1-800-320-5326. And you'll be a winner of those tickets courtesy of Ping and all of us here at The Fan. the site of the broadcast today, Meadowbrook. It's a, um, oh, it's just a gem. Just love it. It's been completely renovated, open to the public in early August. We had a chance to play it today. It's Golf Appreciation Day, Meadowbrook Appreciation Day uh, here in St. Louis Park. I'm the common man, Dan Cole, along with Craig Warrior, Master Professional and Minnesota Golf Hall of Famer, and Paul Peterson with Ping Golf. Our next guest, University of Minnesota women's golf coach, PGA Touring Pro, and all-round Great gal, Michelle Redmond, joins us now. Michelle, thanks for joining us here today on Tita Green. We appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Well, uh, Michelle, congratulations. Three weeks ago, you finished second in the first LPGA Senior Championship, uh, playing with your contemporaries from from a few years gone by, and, and what a list of players that was. And and you took home a tidy fifty five thousand dollars. So I guess that week's work with was worth it. Yes, it was. I really enjoyed playing. I mean, it was it, you know not rarely have I been involved in something that's the inaugural, especially when it comes to you know starting a different tour. So it was really fun to be a part of that. And it, it was really I'd been on TV for six or seven years, so that was really fun, and that was a little bit of a different experience. It was. It was fun, and I think it was fun for some of my players to watch me play, too. Well, and, and you look at the list here, the aggregate. I'm looking at the top of the the, the uh, leaderboard here. Trish Johnson wins at minus four. You're second at minus one. 
two clear of Helen Alfredson at plus one. Hall of Famer Laura Davies was there at plus one. You go down the list, you've got U.S. Open winner uh, Lisa Lott Neumann, uh, Laurie Kane from Canada. I mean, you just go right down the list. It's kind of the who's who of the LPGA. So um, you apprise yourself well as you always do it, taking advantage of your contemporaries lately in these senior events. Yeah, I'm not really – it's kind of funny because, in fact, we had a, uh, a Golden Gopher Fund uh, river cruise on Thursday night, and Mark Coyle congratulated me on playing well. And I, I looked at Mark and I said, I don't want you to think I'm practicing all the time because I'm actually not. <laughs> but uh, it's it's – I don't know if it just has taken the pressure off. I, I'm enjoying playing a little bit more. I think helping the girls helps me play a little bit. Because golf, is, it's not an easy sport. It's a difficult sport. So it's 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 fun to play. We're also utilizing some different mental uh, training people that we've, that we've not used before. And that's been helpful, too. Well, and again, as you and I go back years to when, when I was the LPGA Tour rep and you happen to be one of my very good players out there uh, for Ping, um, you were pretty intense on the golf course. I mean, as you've, as you've aged gracefully, have, have you found your way out there where the intensity is ratcheted down a little bit or are you as, as intense as you've always been? You know, I think, you know, because I have, I have had a couple of the players on the Legends Tour mention to me that I am definitely not as intense as I was when I played. I, I will say this. I wish I knew then what I know now because I think I may have played a little bit longer on the tour had, had I known that. I, you know, I probably was one of the harder workers out there. I was always out there practicing and putting. And, you know, the more I've studied the mental side of the game, you know, the, the more I realized, you know, once you have the motion and the movement, it really is all about making sure that you're a little bit more calm out there and getting to that right state of mind so you can play your best golf. Michelle, good morning. Craig Warian. Uh, just to add on to that, are you, are you working with uh, or are your team uh, working with a sports psychologist? or uh, How are you doing that? How are you able to stay calm? How are you able to uh, get around the golf course and, 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 and think about the various holes? Well, we actually started utilizing a, uh, a gentleman down in Florida, Stephen Galen. He actually is affiliated with, affiliated with David Ledbetter. And I, he emailed me last summer about the mental side and wanting to work with us. And I kind of hesitated, and I opened up the email, and I saved it for about a month or two. And I kind of felt like our team needed something different on the course because I always kind of knew what I did on the golf course. Um, but what we were teaching them was a little bit different than what I did. And so when I had Stephen come in, he actually explained the science behind how the mind works and how you can get the most out of your swing and fluid. His, it's, it's the fluid motion factor is really what, that's what he teaches. And it's been really helpful for the girls and for me. I mean, I talked to him on Tuesday night before the last round, and he's helped me work through some things you know, with tension and just getting maybe going a little bit too quick on the golf course. And it's been, it's been very helpful and it's been really good for the girls. How has this helped you from, from a recruiting standpoint, your pedigree as a, as a really, really, really good player and your players currently, obviously when you say something, you've done it. So that has to carry some weight as well. Yeah, it does. And, you know, it's funny. I don't know who I was talking to a couple of days ago, but there's very, there's a very, very rare time that I'll use the LPGA card, as I call it, because I already know the game is hard. They know that I know that. 
and I respect what they have to go through to learn and get better at golf. So that's, I think that's one thing that definitely helps. As far as the recruiting, it's, it's, our recruiting right now is the best that it's been since I've been there. Some of that is, is that we are getting a new indoor practice facility plus the athletic village. And I just think that we've raised the bar at Minnesota as far as the women's golf program. I mean, we've gone from an average ranking of 82 to 62. 62 isn't where I wanted, but, you know, we have made a lot of improvements in the players that we're getting. We have one of the higher GPAs in the Big Ten. So we've done a lot of really good things. We're not exactly where I want us to be competitively, but I do believe this year and moving forward, you know, we're going to get to where I want to be. Our guest is Michelle Redman, University of Minnesota women's golf coach. Uh, Michelle, talk a little bit about your team, specifically some of the players that uh, that, that are playing for you currently. Well, we have two, two young ladies currently, Heather Siskowski and Sabrina Garrison, who one of those two will probably have the best scoring average in the history of the program at the end of their senior year. So that's been fun for us to watch. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, Heather is a, she's in the Carlson School of Business. Just uh, got a fantastic EPA this semester. It was about a 3.9. And then Sabrina is a pre-med major. And she is probably going to have the best GPA of anybody that's ever played golf at the University of Minnesota. I think she's had one B-plus or A-minus since she's been there. So that's exciting. Sounds we like have... a slacker to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and it's funny with these kids, it's not, I mean, I, you know, I have certain expectations I want them to meet, you know, in the classroom and on the golf course, but I don't, the kids in this generation now, you don't really have to push them, especially when it comes to golf. I almost have to back them off a little bit because they're pretty hard on themselves. So that's that's a different way than I was taught. But uh, then we have a couple of seniors. We have Mu Yu Wu and Maggie Hagerson, who are both up and coming. I think Mu Yu could challenge for one of those top three spots. And then we have four young ladies coming in this fall, and I'm really excited about. One is Kate Lilly. She is from Illinois. She won the Western Junior last year. We have another young lady, Jessica Lee, from Illinois. A uh, young lady from uh, Scotland, Joanne Free, coming in that was on the Scottish uh, national team. And then we have a local, Grace Keller, who was on the Edina uh, high, girls high school team that won the state championship this year. And they're all really good players. So it's it's fun for me to – I think it's a great class. I've not had four freshmen before, so I'll probably get a few more gray hairs from that. But these kids are really good, and I think – I finally feel like we're doing a really good job of screening the kids that we have. I mean, we've got some really good, you know, kids coming up that we're looking at. So it's, it's exciting for us. How uh... – how is the state of high school golf girls here in the state of Minnesota? We see a lot of names. We have a number of them on 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 the radio show here. That seems like there's a lot of talent in Minnesota. Is it considered a you know a, a, a pretty talented pool of players coming out of here in the last few years? Yeah, it's been pretty good. The 2014 class was great. That was probably the best recruiting class in the state history for girls golf. And I I don't think we've had a class like that since. But there are some really good golfers here. As you know, we try to keep the best players in the state of Minnesota. That's always my goal. And then, you know, but we also want to be competitive. So I think 
in my opinion, I feel like we've done a really good job of having, you know, we have a couple of international kids and then we have, you know, local kids and kids from the States. When I, when I took this job, I really wanted to develop golf, not only just in general, but within the United States and the state of Minnesota. So that, uh, I think, I think we're getting to that point this summer. It was the first summer that we just did an all girls golf camp. We had 10 kids for the first, for our first one, which I didn't think was too bad because we didn't really get out there and, and market it like we should have because we wanted to kind of see how it went. But every year I'm, I'm really counting on that number getting bigger and bigger and bigger and just starting to grow just girls golf within the state. So we do have classes like the 2014 class was on a consistent basis. So, Michelle, when you look at the Big Ten, Northwestern finished second in the NCAA championship to Arizona State this year. So yep. you, you've kind of got them – up there as 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 a program to point to and historically northwestern's been pretty good in in ncaa men's golf as well as well as certainly illinois has been in 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 men's programs on a national level um is is northwestern a team that that especially when you look at the kids there are academic kids as well are are they a team that you can kind of point at and say you know what we've got the potential to get there Yes, we look at them. We also look at Ohio State, and we also look at Michigan State and Purdue. I mean, those those four teams there, the coaches have been there for an extended period of time. Now, Emily's probably been at Northwestern around 10 years, I'm guessing. But at, you know, Three Session and, and Stacy at Michigan State, they've all been there over 20 years, and Devin has been at Purdue for almost 20 years, if not longer. So, you know, I think that's the thing that we've been lacking here at the U is, is that we really haven't had any consistency in the coaching area on the women's golf side. And that's the one thing, not only did we bring stability, but, you know, we're both planning on being here for a long time. And, and that's how you build a program, and that's, how you, and that's how you get successful. Talk about the specifics of this, this new facility that's being provided to the golf teams at the University of Minnesota, and where do you think that's really going to help you in the big picture? Well, I mean, we've been recruiting for five years, not knowing when we were going to get a facility and. You know, thanks to the generous donation of the Moody family that, you know, I'm so grateful for. That's really put us up, you know, to to where I know we're going to get a facility now. And when you tell kids that you already have the funding for the facility, we're just waiting on, you know, getting the timing right as far as breaking ground. That's And and the athletic village as well. I mean, that just makes a big difference. You know, when you're the only team in the Big Ten that doesn't have an indoor facility, it's very difficult to recruit. Yes. You know, my name and my playing background makes a difference, but you still have to have the facility, and and that shows a commitment from the university as well. And it's um, when when will the facility be uh, uh, completed? <laughs> well, we're, we were we, you know we were originally targeting October for a groundbreaking. Now we're looking at possibly November. The latest would be April. So it's either going to be you know somewhere between November and April. So. I, we can go one more winter because now we have, you know, we're pretty far ahead with recruiting and everybody knows that we're going to get this. So I think we can handle one more winter if we don't start in November. I would prefer to start in November, but I want to get it right. I want to get our practice area right. And, and so I'm worth, it's worth waiting for. In a handful of weeks, uh, Solheim Cup is going to be at uh, Des Moines Golf and Country Club. You've played four Solheim Cups. Um, talk about your experience in the Solheim Cup and, and what that really meant to you. Well, I mean, it, it's it's the ultimate competition. It really is. You're playing with and against the top players in, in the in the world, and to be able to represent your country and go out and play and win, there's 
I, I can remember a couple of times when I was playing in that event. There's, you know, talk about intensity, as we talked about earlier. You just There's a different level when you get to that point. Because you're playing for other people, you're not just playing for yourself. And I think that's, that's where I really enjoyed the Solheim Cup, was you were actually playing with other people. I learned a lot when I played in those events. I mean, I played with Pat Hurst, who in my mind was probably one of the best match players in the history of, of the Solheim Cup and just in general with her amateur career. And I learned a lot playing with her. It took me a while to, you know, kind of get into the match play groove because I didn't play a lot of that when I was a junior. But once I did, I really I really enjoyed the format. And when the NCAA went to the match play format, I wasn't really a big fan of it. But after I watched the first year, I, I it is really exciting to watch. It might not be my favorite format to play, but I love watching it. It, it they really did enhance the championship by going there what what was your feeling when you walked on the first tee the first time at your first Solheim Cup well nerve is uh, and I can still remember the local tee shot to be honest with you it wasn't just the first time it's always the first time that you get a, get on that tee you are so nervous it's not it's it's more nervous than you're than you are in a regular tournament and even a major when you have a chance to win it it's just it's 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 hard to comprehend in in, in the crowds and the people cheering for you it's just, it's a it's a great feeling but it's it you know you have to work your way through it a little bit are the nerves a by, byproduct of the fact that 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 you feel those other teammates relying on your results yes yes i think that's some of it i just think you have to be on. I mean, there's only four four groups out there until you get to the singles, and and there's a lot of people watching, and everybody's watching what you do, how you act, and just how you're representing the United States in general. Are those your favorite memories of of playing golf as Solheim Cup hitter? Or is there something else that uh, over the years? You know, I actually, yeah, they they are some of my favorite memories. I I enjoyed the the camaraderie with with everyone that I played with because you know there's a lot of times when everybody has different tea times and everybody has their own little groups that gave me a chance to really get to know get to know everyone Michelle thanks for joining us good luck over there at the U it sounds like you got things going uh, as planned in the right direction and um, we'll uh, we'll look forward to, to, to following the team and in honor of Michelle we need to give away another four pack of Solheim Cup tickets we'll do that right now Michelle thanks so much thank you have a great you day bet. You bet. You too, Bye-bye. Michelle Redmond, University of Minnesota women's golf coach. Eleventh caller gets four, uh, gets a four pack. So four people can go to every day of the Solheim Cup coming up in August at Des Moines. Be the eleventh caller six five one nine eight nine fifty three twenty six. Back with Chris Demarco, PGA Tour player and golf channel analyst contributor. He joins us next. We're broadcasting live from Metro. <laughs> Number two of Tita Green, live from Meadowbrook Golf Club. The renovation complete. They will open up uh, in August to the general public. Closed for three years since the flood of the ages, that 100-year flood. Uh, we talked to the uh, uh, superintendent earlier today. 
uh, Troy Cheetah about the golf course. We'll talk more about it later when Matt just joins us. But uh, right now, as hour number two gets underway, I'm the common man, Dan Cole, along with Craig Warrior and Paul Peterson. And joining us is PGA Tour Pro and Golf Channel analyst Chris DeMarco. Chris, thanks for joining us. It's a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks again. That's great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, Chris, it's it's uh, this Paul uh, really terrific to have you join us. Um, I guess with the Open Championship going on as we speak, uh, did you play Burkdale or uh, in Lucky Land Casino? Asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Your uh, career at the Open Championship? No, I think I played eight or nine, and I think that's the, one of the ones I did not play. Um, but it looks great on TV. It looks to me, it looks you know watching it this morning. It's obviously a much different course than yesterday. But these guys are just firing at all the pins, and the greens look very receptive, which is you don't really see that at a, at a British Open too often. So, in the history of your British Open career, you were runner-up in 2006 to a guy by the name of Tiger Woods. We've heard of him up here uh, at yeah. Royal at Royal Liverpool. Um, what were your experiences playing over there? Did you really enjoy it? You know, the first one I ever played was St. Andrews, and, and when I played it for the first time, I, I didn't like it. I really didn't understand the game um, over there. You know, we're so used to um, just regular golf over here. We don't see too much link-style play, um, and you really have to learn it. And, you know, you, you go and you play maybe a practice round with Tom Watson or somebody who loves it, and um, you really have to feel the ground. That's the most important thing. You have to know what the ground's doing, what bounces you're going to get, um, you know, with, especially with the wind and, and the amount of wind that you can have over there. And then the, the, the changes in – you can have four seasons in one day. I played golf over there where it's been, you know, 92 degrees and sunny, and then 20 minutes later it's 40 degrees and raining. So um, it, it gets crazy over there. So you just have to be prepared for everything. Um, once I kind of – you know, learned the, the game of it. I, I really enjoyed golf over there, and um, I got better as it was. I'm a, I'm a field player, so I like to hit a lot of little shots, you know, choke down and hit little bump and runs, and over there you can do that. The, the psychology of getting past the bad bounces over there, how long does that take? You know, it, it is hard, and that's the one thing. If you watch guys, you, you really watch a lot of guys when they hit their tee balls, how much they keep staring at their ball until it done rolling because you can hit one right down the middle of the fairway and get a bad bounce and end up in in some rough so um you really see the guys keeping an eye on their ball off the tee because of that i mean definitely um you know you're, you know you're gonna get some good ones you know you're gonna get some bad ones um and you know overall you just have to kind of you have to you have to be expected of it and you know if you can do that and not let a, a bad bounce or something like that get in your head then, then you should do fine Chris, good morning. Craig Warian. Uh, Paul was telling me that you are possibly the inventor of the uh, uh, claw grip. Is that true? <laughs> well, you know what? Um, I, yeah, I was, I was in a, a bad place in 95 um, with my putting and <laughs> um, playing a little mini tour event with, um, with Skip Kendall, and we were in a rain delay, and he showed me that grip. So Skip really gets the, um, the credit for it. But, yeah, I was the first one to bring out on tour. And obviously now you can you watch just watching the British Open, you see all these different variations uh, of guys doing it. And 
you know, it, it just basically takes your right hand out. If, if you struggle and, and your right hand's the one that likes to take over the club and um, it, it's not a good feeling, then, you know, by switching it and turning around, it, it just takes your right hand out and, and kind of leaves it to the left hand. And, you know, a lot of people like to putt with their right hand. Uh, me, I, I feel much better with my, my left hand, and the, the, you know, my pinky finger, my ring finger, and my middle finger kind of doing all the work. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's been great to me. I've been, it, 95 was when I, when I started. So we're going on, on December of 95, so 22 years. So do you, uh, do you put your index finger behind the shaft? or, or, or uh, My index exactly? finger is on top of the shaft and my thumb's, thumb's underneath. That little U that you make, I just right. kind of claw it like that. That's how I grab it. Now, I, I, I think I read somewhere, heard somewhere, uh, the Golden Bear, Jack Nicholas once said, if he were to start over as a golfer, as a young man, he would go with the cross, uh, cross-handed putting grip. Um, why would that be? I mean, and is the claw, does that have kind of the same uh, effect of a cross-handed grip on the putter? No, what happens is when, when you watch somebody putting um, a, a right-handed golfer and they do a conventional grip, uh, if you have a conventional grip, your shoulders tend to maybe be a little bit open and at a draft. So if you do a cross-handed grip, it, it tends to square your shoulders up. Um, and and really, people that putt cross-handed are trying to putt with their left hand. Their left hand is a dominant hand. The right hand is kind of on for the ride. So um, you, know, you see that a lot. You see a lot of guys that try to, um, if they do putt with their with a cross-handed grip, they're, they're trying to square their shoulders up, and they're also trying to, to use that left hand a little bit more. Chris, when when you did have your successes, when you brought the claw on tour, obviously guys probably looked at you cross-eyed in the beginning, but then all of a sudden you had your successes, won tournaments, finished runner-up in majors. Were, were you kind of a go-to guy for guys that were having putting problems? You know, it's funny. The first time I ever did it, I, I lost my card in 95, and I qualified for ground in 96. And I was on the putt green practice, and, and, you know, Kalkovecki tells a story. He he walks by and looks at his caddy. He goes, I've tried a lot of things. There's one thing I'll never try. And then, like, a year later, he's been doing it. So he's been doing it for, like, 21 <laughs> years. Um, the funniest the funniest ever was Kevin Sutherland. He's won one tournament on the PGA Tour, and that was the match play championship. And um, he was looking at the stats on tour putting, and uh, I was number one in putting, and Cal Kovecki was number two in putting. So he went to the claw at that match play and won that tournament with the claw grip. Um, doesn't still putt with it. Every once in a while he goes back. But uh, David Toms, he'd be on the putting green and, He's brought it out on, on, on occasion, but he'd be on the putting green, and, and he'd make everything on the putting green. He goes, I, I, I don't know. I can't do it. I can't bring it out there. But there's so many variations, and, and it really does uh, really free up your, your left hand and, and your stroke. I mean, if you're struggling with you know, three to five footers, if, if you put that, you know, that claw in there, it really kind of frees you up. Do, can, it, can you do it with pretty much any, um, any style of putter? You know, you have your offset, your center shafted, your mallets. Can it, can it be done with any, any putter, do you think? can i mean you know you watch phil use it and phil uses it with with um you know that the putter face it you know more like a, a conventional old 8802 putter um you know kind of a heel shafted putter um and yeah you can you see you see guys doing it with the mallet you see guys doing everything um you know face balance you know it all depends it doesn't really change your stroke it just basically just takes your right hand out so you just put your left hand so any putter works we're uh, talking with Chris DeMarco, PGA Tour Pro and Golf Channel Analyst. You know, uh, Chris, over the years, as, as uh, 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 Paul brought up a little earlier, you've had your heartbreak at uh, heartbroken a couple of times, you know, in, ma- in major golf events. It, it, how about, is there one that stings the most, and then there was a highlight for you when you look at your career, say, this was when I, you know, this was where I was most satisfied, and this was where I was most disappointed? 
You know, um, I've had a lot, obviously a lot of um, success and, and a lot of good finishes. And, you know, obviously I was, I was battling a guy named Tiger Woods, which was hard to do back from 97 to 2010. I mean, there was just nobody better. We'll never see anybody like that in our lifetime again. Um, you know, the, the one that I probably wish I had again, and, and I was so focused on on the Ryder Cup, was the 2004 PGA Championship. Um, and I was way ahead of the leaders. I was in an hour before them. And I had about a 15, 16, so I hit the green. And I knew that I solidified myself for the Ryder Cup, which was what my goal was that week going in. Um, I was just trying to win. It was there, too. And I had about a 15, 16-footer, and I left it maybe about two or three inches short dead center. And that's the one I you know, I wish I had back now that I'm, I'm looking back. I could have just hit that one a little bit harder. Obviously, I wouldn't, wouldn't have gone into a playoff, and I would have won the tournament, which would have been fantastic. Um, no regrets, really, on any of my any of my close finishes. Um, you know, I always... In all the majors, I played really good, and I made birdies down the stretch. So I, I never really made that bogey, bogey finish to to lose a major, which which would be tough. Um, you know, I just got beat. And you know, the guys, I, I lost all three of my majors. The number one um, player in the world beat me, Tiger Woods twice, and VJ um, Singh was number one in the world at the PGA that year. So how how were you at the Masters in? Uh, uh... Let's see, where am I here? In 2005, when Tiger holds it from behind 16 green, you were you were right uh, one or two ahead of him at that time. And no, you I, was guys, one back. I was one shot you, back. You were one back, and, and then again making birdies coming in. But, but I mean, were you in the same group with Tiger that day? I was. I had the best seat in the house. I was standing right by the water, um, and I walked right up on the green and, and literally had the – the opposite view of it coming down. I'm like, yeah, this looks pretty good. I was working with um, Dr. Gio Valiente, who's a professor at Rollins College, also a sports psychologist, has a lot of guys on tour. And, and we were working on it. You know, we started working the year before, a couple years before, and we were working on expect the unexpected. So in my mind, um, I was always able to kind of, you know, especially at that point, because Tiger Woods and I, we were, we were six shots ahead of the field at that time, so or seven shots. So it was a match play situation with three holes to go, um, you know, knowing it was just him and I. So, you know, I, I literally had – I was ready for any, any circumstances. I was ready for him maybe chipping a little bit too far and not getting it up, you know, keeping it up on top of the hill, maybe three-putt, maybe having a one-shot lead or, you know, him chipping in. I really didn't expect him to chip in, but I was prepared for it. Um, and, and, you know, that, that helps to be prepared out there because it was certainly, you know, an unbelievable shot. I mean, we saw Davis Love do that a couple of years before, uh, kind of the same thing. And, um, you know, so I knew what Tiger was trying to do. I mean, obviously he could have sat there with 100 balls and probably not done it again. But, um, you know, it, it, was, it was Tiger Woods. It was Augusta. It, you know, that's, that's what he did in his life. He was like Jack Nicklaus. When the moment was there, he always rose to it. Well, that is a testament to you that, as you say, you were able to still hang tough because you see that go in, the crowd's roaring. I mean, he's, you know, he, he's everybody's seen the video, his reaction, uh, 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 Stevie's reaction. But to be able to hang tough there and still force playoff, and you were with him stroke for stroke. I mean, it was it was as good a finish in a Masters as I think we've ever seen. Yeah, you know, the, the thing that we had that, that week was we had um... – we had delays. We had rain delays, so we had to finish up. I had to finish up my third round that set that Sunday morning um, early, and they didn't cut the fairways. I ended up shooting 41 in that nine holes I, after wow. I was. I think I shot 67, 67. I shot 33 in the front, so I was 13 under par, just cruising, um, and had to go back out and and finish that nine holes. And just played a four nine holes, and then on that Sunday afternoon went out and shot a 68 to his 71. So I picked up those three shots and got them back, but. You know that that place is just so special. It is it is such a great great um, golf course. There's so much 
history in those greens and history everywhere. I think that's the one major everybody can relate to because it's at the same venue every time. So, um, you know, just it, it was it was a, a surreal but such a special time. Even though I lost, obviously I would like to have won. Um, you know, battling Tiger in that um, arena, it was was one of the greatest moments of my life for sure. Uh, getting back to the uh, to, to the the current tournament now over at uh, uh, across the pond, as they say, yeah, hard to handicap because there's so many good players. But as you look, is there one or two players you look at right now that if you were a betting man, you were going to lay some money down at Ladbrokes, you would uh, you'd bet on? Well, I mean, I'm looking at the leaderboard right now. Is Jordan Speed Fudge? You got Stenson. You got Dustin Johnson. You got um, you know um, Brendan Gray shot 62 today. You got. Uh, you know, Brooks Kepka up there, the U.S. Open champion. You got Kuchar, you got Speed. I mean, it's unbelievable the leaderboard. So, um, you know, you got you got to go with the guys that, that to me, um, you know, have won majors. And, and you know, you got Jordan Spieth, you got Dustin Johnson, you got Brooks Kepka. Um, those are the guys that, that I think are going to probably rise at that. Roy McIlroy's right up there also. So, um, you know, you, you, I would think that one of those four guys would probably be able to take it. I'd love to see Kuchar win. That'd be great for him. You know, kind of. Um, put his career in a whole new realm. You know, obviously he won a TPC, but never won a major. That would, you know, I know that those guys are trying to get that one stigma of, of that first major off there. It's hard to do. You know, it's hard to win a golf tournament on PGA Tour, let alone a major. Well, and Matt Kuchar tends to be around every Sunday at virtually every major the last couple of years. He does. Yeah, he's a, he's such a consistent player. Um, you know, there's something to be said about that that next step, and it's hard to do it. I mean, you you. You know, we watch Brooks Kepka kind of just – it's all putting. It really is. You watch these guys down the stretch. And, you know, you got to make those five to eight footers on the last nine holes because you're going to leave yourself a lot of them, and they're very nervy putts. And um, you see these kids nowadays – I mean, that's what Dustin Johnson did last year at the U.S. Open, was able to, to make those putts that he – you know, those nervy putts that he sometimes would miss in, in previous majors, and he was able to knock those in, and that ultimately is what won on the tournament. And these kids nowadays – these five footers don't bother them like they like they used to bother us back in the day. It's a lot different now than it used to be. So when you talk about Dustin Johnson, how much was he really affected by the fall at the Masters? Um, you know, anytime, anytime you, you have an injury, um, you know, the problem with the PGA Tour. One thing I've always said is there needs to be some type of, you know, like in the major leagues, if, if you are going to the reserve, you go out and you play on the, um, you know, you, you pitch at, at double A or single A ball just to kind of get yourself back ready before they, they call you back up. I'd love to see that on the PGA Tour. If you're genuinely injured, I'd love them to be able to freeze your number, whatever world ranking that is. That's the problem is, is your world ranking doesn't, doesn't stop. So if you miss two or three months, your world ranking's going to drop. And then when you could come back, maybe go play two or three events on the web.com tour. It would be great for that tour to see a, a Brooks Kepka or a Dustin Johnson for a couple of weeks if they're coming back from injury. be a great boost to that. And then you, you come back in. When you're ready to go, you come back in the BJ Tour. They unfreeze your number, and, and you go. I'd love to see that. I think it would be fantastic. I know there's a uh, the, the Norma DeMarco Teed Up for Life golf tournament is near and dear to your heart. Why don't you talk about that and what it's all about? Yeah, you know it, it is. It's it's now called the um, the, the Norman Rich Demarco. We lost my dad about four months ago, five months ago to um, pancreatic cancer. So this year, you know, we're doing the purple to, to um, symbolize that. It was, um, you know, it's reflected um, in my family. I have had three grandparents die to cancer, and now both my, you know, my parents. And uh, it's something that my family's put on now for 17 years. My wife and I and my and my, um, my parents are the ones that started it 17 years ago, and. We had a we have a great board of people on it. We we raised over seven million dollars um, awareness. We we get a whole bunch of great celebrities to come um, this year. They actually made me the, the national spokesperson for 
um, American Cancer on the on the golf tee up for life side of it. There's actually some national commercials that are that are running, which are fantastic too. And yeah, we've seen them. You know, yeah. It's just re- yeah, it's just really to to raise awareness. I mean, you know, it, you know, twenty twenty five years ago, you know, you knew somebody who who knew somebody who had cancer. Now, um, most people are directly um, affected by it, and uh, you know, somebody in their family or or a sibling or a parent or whatever it might be. And you know, it, it's a it's a debilitating disease, and, it, and it, it's nasty when we can see what it does. I mean, my dad was diagnosed, and three and a half weeks later, he he's gone. So, um, you know, it, it it's crazy what it is, and. You know anything we can do to kind of raise some money to, to kind of you know get awareness and, and really and also you know fund these these researchers to try to you know find a cure. I mean ultimately I, I say that at the at our tournament every year. My, my goal is to have a new charity the next year something because we've cured cancer. I mean I think that um, we're making huge strides and it's a lot better than it, than it, it was. Way better technology, but um, so ultimately we'd love to see a cure and we'd love to see it um, you know stopped. Chris, um, you're 48 years old. That means you're two years shy of the Champions Tour. Well, Actually, 13 months. Because I'll be. <laughs> <laughs> but not not that anybody's keeping track right now, right? I think it's like 13 months, two days, 12 hours, and 52 minutes. <laughs> 52 minutes. <laughs> so, so with your eye towards the Champions Tour um, and all those old guys out there, young buck like you. What are you doing to prepare yourself for 13 months down the road? Yeah, well, I know that it's not going to be no cakewalk out there. I know that I'm going to have to go out and play golf. I mean, you look at Bernard Langer; that guy's a machine. Um, you know, Kenny Perry. You know, David Toms is out there. You know, you got Steve Stricker coming out there. Uh, you know, Billy Andre. All these guys are, are so good. They're all my friends. That's the thing about it. That's what I'm, I'm, I can't wait for is to go out and see. These are all the guys I played with, but. I know it's, kind of, it's not going to be a cakewalk. It's going to be very tough. These guys, those guys are good, really good golfers, and um, you know they have the luxury of being in competitive golf now for you know the last three, four, five, six, you know some of them ten, twelve years. Um, you know, so they have that <clears throat> comfortability back. It's been a while since I played an actual tournament. You know, I think it was April of 2016 was my last one in um, at New Orleans. So. Um, I've, I've got my body getting in the right shape. I'm, 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 I've slimmed way down. I'm getting stronger, trying to get that good. And then next year, I'm going to probably play some web.com events. Um, you know, that's a great thing about the PGA Tour. When you turn 48 and 49, there's an exemption out there for um, on the web.com for guys that are going to transition into the into the Champions Tour. Um, I'm well aware that it's not going to be an easy road. It's going to be something I'm going to have to work really hard at, but something I'm willing to do. And, you know, it, it's something that, that we – you know, my wife and I, we can't wait to get out there and travel a little bit more. And, you know, she'll probably caddy for me again at a, a number of events. My son will be a senior um, this fall at University of South Florida. So he'll be, um, you know, turning pro probably next year, right when I'm, I'm getting ready to turn um, to, to go to the Champions Tour. So, you know, hopefully he, he qualifies for some tour and he's playing some um, professional tour. But if he's not, I'd love to have him on my bag. He, he knows my swing better than anybody. Um, but yeah, it, it's something I'm looking forward to. Something I've been looking forward to for three or four years now, and you know, it's a great opportunity. Um, it's something that it's kind of re- a reward for for what you've done on the PGA Tour, and, and I'm certainly looking forward to take advantage of it. I had a little birdie in in the at the Ping Factory in Phoenix. Tell me about your son Christian, and and basically said that that at some point here you may be the second best player in your household. Oh, I already am. There's no doubt. I can't beat him right now. He's, he, he whips my butt by two or three shots every time I play him. And, uh, you know, he just won the Florida State Am, which is a, a 
a very big tournament down here. Won by four shots down at the Bears Club. So he's doing some great things. He's actually up in um, in Buffalo, Niagara Falls right now, playing at the Porter Cup. And he's a couple back in that. Having a, he has a chance to win that also. So um, he's doing some things that I didn't do. I never won the State Am um, when I was his age. Um, he's kind of paralleling my career in, in college golf. He um, He's come close to winning a couple. I won two my junior year. He's lost in two playoffs his, his junior year. And um, so and he just wins the Florida State AM. He's going into his senior year with a lot of confidence. I'm looking forward to, to good things for him. And, um, you know, I'm proud of him. It's, it's nice finally for him. I mean, I can't – I wouldn't even imagine how hard it's got to be for him because he says it. He goes, Dad, everywhere I go, everybody says, is Chris DeMarco your dad? And he doesn't have a problem with that. He just, you know, it's just, he's asked that all the time. So the expectations of him have been way, way greater than I ever had to deal with. You know, nobody knew who I was growing up. And, you know, he has to deal with that. So – and he's handled it amazingly. And I love how mature he is and how disciplined he is. I mean, he's way more disciplined and way more mature than I was at that age. Um, and he works – his work ethic is, is a lot of a different type of golfer than me. I was a much more field player. He's a little bit more analytical golfer. Um, but he really puts, he, he's dedicated and he puts the effort in and he, he knows what the goal is at the end. And he is definitely goal driven. So I'm proud of him. My wife, um, has done a good job of, of raising him and putting the right morals in his, in his brain. And, um, you know, it, it's, a uh, it's, it's, I got three great kids and they're all, um, you know, I'm proud of all of them, but I think he's got a real special chance to do something special on the golf course. Chris, I know you have a lot of fans out there. A lot of people admire you with the, with the great battles you've had over the years and your tour victories and watching you play golf. Do a great job on the Golf Channel as well. Thanks for joining us, and good luck to you when you get to that Seniors Tour. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me anytime. Welcome back to Meadowbrook, newly renovated Meadowbrook. It was flooded. It was at FEMA, declared it a disaster. It's been three years, and uh, they've been working on the golf course. And they've got it looking pretty good. We were out there earlier today. Uh, we being myself, the master professional, Craig Warrian, uh, Matt Just, who's the director of Minneapolis Golf, Kevin Norby, architect, and then, um, and uh, is that four of us? Yeah, and then there was me. Yeah, I was the fourth. That's right. I was driving I, I was in there. on Excelsior Boulevard. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And the golf course from the road looked fantastic. The wildflowers are all out. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, it is. And they've done done a great job in the renovation. We opened to the public. Um... Coming up in August, there's a uh, we talked earlier with Dave Carruthers. He won the uh, Minnesota State Amateur Tournament, Minnesota Golf Association's biggest event of the year. On the men's side, held it over just uh, about a driver from here, maybe a driver. No, well for me that would be a driver. For someone like Paul Peterson, it'd probably be a seven iron. But just over the trees here at Interlochen, there's another tournament taking place right now here in Minnesota, another big one, Minnesota State Open. It's a Minnesota section of the PGA Major. And after the first round yesterday, uh, Ben Grief, former University of Minnesota golfer, correct? And ping player. And ping player. And uh, husband of um, Lindsey Whalen, who plays for the Minnesota Lynx. And he shot a uh, – did he win last year two – 
I thought he did. I thought he did he won. win as an amateur. Yeah, and so this is his. Um, uh, uh, and I, I think I read somewhere there's only been a handful of back-to-back winners at the state open, and it's been a number of years since anybody won it. But uh, Ben Grieve shot six under at Stone Ridge. Craig, we played Stone Ridge two weeks ago. Is that kind of what you thought would be a score? Can, you know, those guys can get it around. I mean, it's a very difficult golf course, and they can set it up tough. But uh, you know, the guys in the state are pretty good players. Obviously, yeah, uh, that was a great score. Um, yeah, I didn't think it was going to go that low. Uh, you, you, someone was saying uh, they thought ten under. Mm-hmm. I think Joel Berger, uh, when we had him on a couple of weeks ago, had mentioned ten yep. under. Uh, you may be right. And I didn't think so, to be honest with you, because the pin locations there can be extremely difficult. But and no weather really to speak of. At least on today, today should be picture perfect. I don't see any weather in the in the offing, and it's pretty. Uh, conditions aren't um, uh, are, are pretty ripe for scoring. You know, I the, the star. I was really nice to see the uh, fish wrap on the west side do a, a nice a full page story about the because this is the one hundredth. Uh, state open, and they, you know, as we know, you know, we we all kind of grouse about it a little bit that, you know, local golf doesn't get the coverage it, it it used to in the local papers. I understand why there's not as much interest, but it was it was it's nice to see they did a full a story there, and Bill Warian got mentioned, and uh, just had a history of it, and quoted a lot of the players that have played it and and won, including George Shortridge and Don Barry, and a lot of others. It was a nice story. Yeah, it, it was a great article. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun to. Uh, to watch, you know, throughout the years uh, at the at the different venues, and then w- when it went to bunker on a full time basis, uh, you know, that wasn't bad either. I mean, it, that had something to uh, offer, but uh, it, it's really nice to see it starting to travel again. Yep, every other year, uh, right? Every other year now, and uh, they, I, I think it brings in more uh, players into the mix. Uh, Stone Ridge, uh, again, is going to bring about a different type of yep. uh, winner. Um, you know, my my guesstimate, and, and uh, you know, I thought Don Berry would play extremely well, and I talked to him a couple of days ago, and his back has really uh, been bothering him. He's, he's had uh, an issue the last couple of years. But that would be the type of player that I would think that would win there, a, a, a shot maker. I didn't right. think it would be a putting contest uh at Stone Ridge because of the 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 pinning locations you know you've got to get it to the right part of the green otherwise you're 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 not going to have a birdie putt the, uh, uh, so it's you know par saving type putts out tur- there. tournament continues through tomorrow and uh, public is welcome to go watch uh, some of the best players in the uh, uh, pro and amateur play out at um out at Stone Ridge. Okay, as we go to break, you make the call, Paul Peterson. Do we want to do the Ping Lollapalooza prize pack giveaway, or do we want to give away another four pack of, yes. of Solheim Cup tickets? Which one do you want to do? Uh, we'll do. Let's do the the prize pack right now for a uh, a Ping Tour Gustbuster umbrella, Ping Tour cap, a Ping trifold towel, a Ping shoe bag, Ping divot tool with the magnetic ball mark, the no three putts ball mark, the size of a manhole cover. A pink putting target and a pink sport glove. The winner needs to let us know whether they're a right-hand golfer, left-hand golfer, and their glove size. We'll send the glove to them directly from the factory in Phoenix. Be the 11th caller, 651-989-5326 or 1-800-320-5326. You'll be a winner. Other giveaways yet to come. We still have two more Solheim Cup packages to give away. We'll do that in the next segment. Uh, as we broadcast live from Meadowbrook for Appreciation Day. So the re-grand opening, the renovation of Meadowbrook. We'll be back after this right here on The Fan. 
Green, final segment live from Meadowbrook Golf Course here in St. Louis Park, Hopkins. I guess it's technically Hopkins. I call it the St. Louis Hopkins Park, and that's where we are. It's the uh, uh, the newly renovated Meadowbrook Golf Course. Opens to the public in August. We've never done this on Tita Green, another first. We're going to give away another uh, a great prize pack. We've never done them back-to-back, coming, going into a break and out of a break. We're going to give away four sets of weekly tickets for the Solheim Cup at Des Moines Golf and Country Club coming up in August. Each ticket includes one daily ticket for practice rounds on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, including the opening ceremony on Thursday, and then tournament rounds on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Also includes the Hy-Vee Concert Series after play on Friday and Saturday, Jake Owen on Friday, Rascal Flats on Saturday. Exact same atmosphere as the Ryder Cup, maybe even better. Here's what you need to do. Be the 11th caller at 651-989-5326 or 1-800-320-5326. And if you're the 11th caller, you'll be a, a winner from everybody at Ping, Solheim Cup, Des Moines uh, Golf and Country Club, Paul Peterson, Craig, myself, everybody at the fan. A lot of people are instrumental in this giveaway. I really had nothing to do with it other than giving it away. Uh, we have a, a, a two guests now. I don't know if we, no, we've done this before, uh, but this might be just the second time. Uh, the, the, we talked about the newly renovated uh, Meadowbrook. Uh, uh, two uh, a gentlemen that were instrumental in it include a golf course architect, Kevin Norby, and uh, Judd Dunnick, who was with Dunnick Construction, did the construction work here. Judd, we we talked about, I, you know, when you came in, you were going to talk, I said, well, what do I need to talk to construction guy about? And you, and you said, well, we do a lot of golf courses. Your construction company does all different types of construction, but you have a division that just works on building and renovating golf courses. That's correct. Yep. Dunnick Golf is our is our golf division, construction division of Dunnick Incorporated. How long have you been, how long has the, the company been doing golf courses then? Uh, since the early 80s. Okay. And are you based here in the in the Twin Cities? Our headquarters is out in Prinsburg, Minnesota, which is a very small town near Wilmer. Okay. And uh, our golf construction office is based out of Buffalo, Minnesota. When you um, do a, a, a project, like, do they vary from, I mean, how many, like, you know, from the from breaking ground and building a new one to how many renovations, do you do a lot of different ones? Yeah. You know, every, every project's different. We do everything from... Uh, from a thousand dollar project till we finished a fifteen million dollar project and everything in between. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean that means building a tee box to renovating a whole entire golf course. On a golf course like this that was flooded over and closed, was this a, a whole different kind of an animal then from what you've done before? Have you have you had other projects like this? You know, um, every project has its own unique characters characteristics that come to it, and uh, you know Meadowbrook was a basically a bunker renovation and uh, a, along with a bunker restoration and uh, the whole uniqueness I think and Kevin could comment on this too was probably coming around with the whole FEMA and and some of the things on the design side that we had to do with the project that I felt were, were pretty unique to this project. Kevin, when did you uh, come into this project? When, when you know, Because the, the flood was, was it 2014? 2014. 2014, yeah. and it was. We saw it out there. There are places where you look at the trees. You can see how high the water line was. It looks like it was at six feet. Yeah, when you get back on four and eight, um, you know, the big ash trees that are still standing there, I pointed out to Craig this morning. I mean, you stand next to that, and it's in a couple places. It's actually over your head. So there was six feet of water standing on the golf course and that was there for for months um obviously other areas didn't have that much water but they lost um you know pretty close to 60 acres of grass out here because it was underwater for that period of time i i mentioned this morning that i came out at one point and this looked like a 
you know, like a bird sanctuary with all the herons and the egrets and, you know, and the birds that were sitting in the water out there. Uh, it was it was 50 acres of, you know, of water. When you looked at this uh, uh, and, and they said, we'd like to bring it back to a golf course, what's your first impressions? You must think this, it literally, it, if you yeah. declared it a disaster area, it, it, it yeah. looked like it couldn't be, I don't think it looked like it could be made into a golf course again. Well, it affected, it affected, it didn't flood any greens. It flooded a couple of corners on some greens. Um, so the areas that were really devastated were mostly fairways and rough. Okay. Uh, the tees were good. We had a forward tee on number 15 that, that went underwater. But really, the, the damage out here was limited to water that got into bunkers, water that flooded out the irrigation system, you know, the electrical components on the irrigation system, those, those green boxes you see out there, we call them irrigation satellites, um, cart paths that washed out. So I, I knew the water would go away um, eventually. And so when the park board contacted us, um, the first thing we did was put together what we called a flood assessment. And we've, we've done some of these before. Uh, we just finished a pretty sizable project in uh, Colorado that was a FEMA-funded project. So you go in and you do an assessment. You identify the issues. Um, FEMA will only pay to rebuild these components back to their original condition. You can't, you can't decide, well, we're going to pave the cart paths you know, or, or, or whatever, um, if that's not the way it was. And if, and if you do, then somebody else pays for that. FEMA will not pay for that. They won't make any changes, with the one exception here being that they said, if you move the irrigation components outside the floodplain, we'll call that mitigation, and we'll pay to have you relocate those elements. And is that what you did? And that's what we did. Now, how closely do you work with Judd Dunnick and Dunnick Construction is that like my guess is you got to work hand in hand, yeah. right? Yeah, I've known Judd for Judd twenty years probably. Yeah, probably twenty. Years. Um, I mean, they are a certified member of the Golf Course Builders Association. They're one of only two in the state of Minnesota. So, for us, it's a very logical relationship. We work really closely with them. Um, we're actually working on a project in Florida with them right now, a new nine-hole course that we're building. And we're in negotiations with another project here in Minnesota, uh, a new golf course. Um, and so it's a good relationship. I've worked with Judd for many years, and, and they're a good company to work for or work with. And, Judd, you're working with Kevin over at uh, Teddy, over Theodore Worth, too. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, Theodore's, uh, Theodore's coming along pretty well. It's been, uh, it's been fun to see the... The new changes coming there. I think the, it's great to see the city of Minneapolis and the park uh, board really spending some some quality uh, dollars and enhancing their golf courses and and bringing golf to what it's supposed to be. It's you know in Minnesota, as you well know, it's uh, just an incredible time to be outside, spend time together, whether you can play the game well or not well, and it uh, the opportunities to spend time with your family and friends is incredible in, in a state like this now is is your guys work done here then at meadowbrook i mean other than, maybe you'll go come back and, and take a look at it periodically but is this done we we're we're, we're this there's no more yet to be done um dunnick's work is done here we're, we're going to close out the contract on monday actually with just some uh you know some little touch-ups that that need to be done following construction um, we have one more component here at Meadowbrook that we're working with the park board on, and that's to regrass some of the remaining uh, rough and fairway areas. And so that'll start here in about two weeks. Um, we'd have another contractor that is uh, is doing that work. They they did some of the previous regrassing here, 
Um, but then that will button up, you know, the FEMA-funded portion of this, you know, project. Um, and so then we'll be done, yeah. And then what, 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 what's to be, how far are you along with the Theodore Worth uh, renovation slash restoration? Whatever we have, uh, we've completed all of the bunkers over there. Um, we've completed the irrigation work or most of the irrigation work. And as, as you know, uh, Dan, we're, um, we're building two new golf holes over there. So we're building a new green on the 11th hole. We're building a new 12th hole par three to replace the old 18. And we're building a, uh, a new par four, uh, which will become the 18th hole. And so those are graded. Um, Topsoil's been replaced. Bunkers have been roughed in. Greens are, you know, cored out and ready for, you know, the root zone mix. Um, and they're getting irrigation right now. So I think our goal is probably in the next three to four weeks we'll have those holes seeded. And they'll be ready to play next spring. You know, I wanted to get back to you on Meadowbrook just for a second. Uh, the architect was John, I think it's Faulus. 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 Faulus Jr. Uh, Jr. Yeah. He, um, I think he was a, a very popular and well-known architect back uh, 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 back in his day. Uh, this course was, was such a fine golf course that it, I think it held the 1947 uh, National uh, Publix Pub Pub yeah. uh, uh, Tournament. Yeah. When, when you're doing the golf course, you know, doing new bunkering and such like that, how do you hold true to what the designer had originally? Do you do, do you look at that, or do you say, you know, that was then, this is now, and I've got because I know we, we talked like on number one, you added a bunker over here right. on the left fairway, and then by the uh, green side on the left, the bunker was quite it was it was a long way from the green. You moved it up closer. How true do you try to stay to what the what the architect uh, yeah. has done previously? Well, this course is nearly a hundred years old, and a hundred years ago. Most of the trees that are on this property did not exist. Um, even the big walnut trees on the left side of one and some of the oak trees weren't here 100 years ago. So, um, you know, if a good case in point is if you look at hole number one, we removed a bunker on the right side that was way back in the trees there. I mean, it was completely out of play for most people. And even if you had been in that bunker, uh, you couldn't advance it to the green because of all the big trees that were in the way. So I think the reality is that that the game of golf here at Meadowbrook has changed. Um, the corridors are narrower, um, and so some of the bunkers are out of play. Some of the bunkers just, you know, don't belong there because people hit the ball further. What I tried to do here was to, um, I guess, respect the original intent of the architect. So the bunkers were put in, in certain places because they were visible. Um, bunkers used to be much further from the greens because they used big pieces of equipment to mow around the greens. Today we use triplex mowers, much smaller mowers, so those greens, those bunkers have gotten a lot closer to the green. Um, we don't know what these bunkers looked like exactly, but what I tried to do here was to create a bunker style that was reminiscent of what we call golden age architecture. Um, so they're relatively small, the sand is relatively flat, um, it's not flashed up, which means it won't erode and won't be contaminated from rainstorms. Um, these have, I guess, what I would call sort of an irregular or jagged edge, which is, I think, a look that is probably unique to this golf course, at least in this market in Minneapolis. People come out here, they're probably not have going to seen, they may not have seen bunkers that look like this before. Right. Um, but they're relatively small, relatively easy to take care of. Um, we did take some bunkers out because they were out of play. Um, 
I, I think we did, and uh, and Judd's company, you know, was uh, instrumental in this, did a great job um, recreating golden age architecture here. I think it was, uh, we're, we're very proud of it. Yeah, well, you guys did great work, both of you, uh, 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 Kevin Norrie, golf course architect, and uh, Judd Dunnick with Judd Construction, uh, or Dunnick Construction. Thanks uh, again for, for joining us, and uh, seriously, the, the course is just, it's so good, and uh, I know uh, when they're finally finished with Theodore Worth, it'll be much of the same. Thanks again, you guys. Right. Um, uh, Paul, why don't you grab that headset back even? Because I think you just gave um, Judd Lice, because didn't you mention we have Lice, and he just wore your headset. So, so, or were you just kidding? It's the perils of T.D. Green. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's very yeah, perilous. You know. Is it not? Craig, is it perilous? It is dangerous here. I will tell you one thing, though. I am so grateful for winter in Minnesota. Tell me Because why. if every day was like today, there'd be 30 million people living here. Yeah, there would be 30 million. It is gorgeous today, isn't it? It Absolutely. is perfect weather. Oh, should we do our last giveaway? We have one, or did we do it already? No, no, no. We've got one left, and then the other thing too is we're giving away next week oh. a brand new set of G four hundred irons Ooh. at PGA Tour Superstore, which is going to be our our location next week, along with some additional giveaways that we're going to bring along. Um, and this is a giant week for the little custom club maker in the desert because. I don't know if you knew this, Common, but we, we, we've just come out with a, a new product line called G400, and it becomes available driver and irons uh, on this coming Thursday. And I, I do know, and I asked you this question earlier in the week on a text, if uh, the Tooth Fairy had access to ping equipment, and I found out the Tooth Fairy does. It, it appears the, the Tooth, Tooth Fairy, Fairy has visited the Tony Woodbury yeah, neighborhood. And, and I do appreciate that. Uh Let's do that last giveaway. It's a, it's a, uh, uh, a set of four weekly tickets for the Solheim Cup coming up in August. Des Moines Golf and Country Club. Each ticket includes one daily ticket for practice rounds all week and the opening ceremony on Thursday, and the tournament rounds on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in the Hy-Vee Concert Series, which will be Friday and Saturday after play. Jake Owen on Friday and Rascal Flats on Saturday. Be the eleventh caller at six five one nine eight nine. 5326 or 1-800-320-5326. Uh, in closing, gentlemen, uh, who do you like, who do you think will be hoisting the claret jug and putting their lips to it on a Sunday? Boy, I'll tell you, I, I like Spieth. Uh, I was watching him hit it yesterday around the ballpark, and he got it up and down from everywhere. Uh, that's kind of classic Spieth. And, and if his ball striking uh, starts uh, clicking today and tomorrow, uh you know, his putter looks really good. DJ came back into the mix, but I got to tell you, Rory's right there after starting five over par through six holes on the first day of the tournament. So, I mean, you look at how well somebody's played between then and now. Rory's probably playing the best. You mentioned um, a number of names uh, as we've been sitting here. What happened to Poulter? I never heard you mention his name. Did he fall off? He was actually through about three or four today. He was plus one for the day. Because I was going to take Poulter. I call him Poltergeist. Poults or Poltergeist. Gentlemen, thanks so much. I appreciate it as always. One last show next week for the year. It'll be very emotional for all of us as it is. We'll be at the uh, PGA Superstore uh, right across the street from Ridgedale in Minnetonka. Uh, that'll do it for Tina Green. Today we want to thank uh, Matt Justin, everybody with the um, Minneapolis uh, Parks Department. We just love uh, uh, the properties and the golf courses, and thanks for having us out here. We'll talk to you next Saturday. Tina Green live from... Uh, PGA Superstore right here on The Fan. Have a good weekend.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.